Good morning, Merlin. Glenn Jessam here, President and CEO of Silver Tiger Metals. Very pleased to have Dave Duncan with me, our VP Exploration this morning for a deep geological dive on the tiger. How are you this morning? Yeah, good, thanks. Uh, all good. Good to see you. Are you ready for Christmas? Well, you're never really ready for Christmas. I have two young children running around, so we'll be there. We always are ready. We're just not ready early. Excellent. Well, you, um, uh, the Silver Tiger has been giving you some um, good Christmas presents, that's for sure, even if the market hasn't. We're very pleased with how everything's gone for the Tiger this year. You know, unlimited capital raising with the top institutions in the world, killing it with the drill bit. And that's why our share price is is really on the way up when most of our peers, unfortunately, due to the market conditions, have been on the way down. So we're very, very pleased. It's going to be a very Merry Christmas, Merlin. Yeah, absolutely. You totally held your level while the rest of the market, as you said, has come down. Now, um, <clears throat> I've had a look at some of your previous Crux interviews. I've heard you talking with Matt. Um, I've looked at the, the recent news releases. And for me, what I'd really like to do is kind of get a better understanding of the geology and really understand kind of where you're putting your efforts and, and, and what this thing might look like in the, in the months ahead. So um, is it possible to... Well, actually, but before we start, um, could you give a quick background to you and an introduction to yourself and kind of describe how you've worked on this project and uh, your relationship with Silver Tiger? That'd be great. Thanks, Merlin. Yeah, my name's Dave Duncan. I'm the geologist. I'm the vice president of exploration for Silver Tiger. And uh, like Glenn mentioned earlier, we purchased this property about uh, five years, six years ago now. And uh, because we were very, very excited about this high-grade former producer in the Sierra Madre Mountains at the northern end of Sonora State. And the aspect that really sold us on this was the 30-year production history, high-grade silver. And that was what we wanted to find more of. So my background in geology and exploration extends back over 40 years, uh, three or four different continents. But I've been working in uh, Mexico, the Sierra Madre, in particular, epithermal low sulfidation deposits for the last 10 years. And you, um, am I correct in thinking that you worked um, with Glenn on Go Gold as well? So, you, so, you know, you, you've already got that kind of that history together. Yes. In fact, uh, my, that was some of the first work uh, when I went to Mexico was to work on the Perel tailings, the resource estimations and all of the Go Gold projects since that time. And Silver Tiger's been there along with that. And uh, so we did all the first drilling there in 2016, 2017, uh, a bit more in uh, 2020, and a lot of drilling this past year. I'm sorry, at Silver Tiger? Um, or... Yes, at Silver Tiger. And, and how did, yeah. geologically, how, did, how far away is, is this from the Go Gold kind of district? Oh my gosh, it's probably a thousand kilometers, Merlin. It's, uh, we're, the Silver Tiger project's right up at the northern end, just south of the U.S. border of the Sierra Madre. Our current gold gold projects are down near Guadalajara, close to a thousand kilometers away. Okay, so, sorry, I was, I'm just, um, I've never worked in Mexico. I'm just getting my head around it. Um, yeah, could well, you... it's a fascinating place. The Sierra Madre volcanic package is almost a couple of thousand kilometers long and there's metal deposits the whole length of it. So there's big, big, big world scale uh, camps all through it. And similar style, kind of um, epithermal, um, low sulfidation, Yes, it's a whole family of deposits, but they're all similar, but each has some of their own characteristics. But they usually always involve the same layer cake geology, a volcanic package consisting of an upper volcanics that's usually a more rhyolitic composition, and then andesitic type 
compositions down in what they call their lower volcanic package. And through all of those things, there's these big regional structures. The veins are usually in place along those regional structures, those corridors. And sometimes there's a secondary set of faults that uh, splays go off, but usually it's these big structures that you have to follow. That's where the vein systems usually occur. And, and that's so pretty they... common through. That's pretty common through all the camps, Marilyn. And um, in Silver Tiger, do they have a kind of a metal donation? Have you have you picked up some kind of any any change in the in the composition of the kind of the ores? You know, is there more zinc or kind of a, a, the me metallic dis distribution um, vertically? Yeah, well, that's a common theme too. That these normally these systems have a height of about a thousand meters, sometimes a bit taller, sometimes a bit shorter. Usually, the silver, gold, precious metal is closer to the top or at the top. And then as you get deeper and deeper, you transition down into the base metal part of the system. At Silver Tiger, uh, we have some topography that helps us understand that because at the north end, and Glenn, maybe you could uh, bring up one of the geological slides, the plan map of the property. But at the northern end of where we've been mapping and working, we're only at a, an elevation of about 1,200 meters, Merlin. Glenn, maybe you could show that Polaris area. And up in that area, that we it's mostly all a silver and base metal system. But as you move south down towards where the old mine is, you're going up in topography to almost uh, 22, 2300 meters, Merlin. And up at that elevation, almost a full kilometer higher, we're pretty much just a base metal system with, with the classic copper lead zinc as well. But it's really the precious metals are the, are the dominant set up there. And here on this slide, you can see some of the aspects too about this layer cake geology that I was mentioning. The pinkish colored uh, units to the right-hand side of that slide, those are the upper volcanic rhyolitic compositions. And the green, the yellow is the transition zone down into the lower unit, the greenish colored units, which are the andesitic rocks. And uh, Glenn, maybe you could just sketch along where the big fault system that breaks through all of these things. And that's the dominant structural trend where the veins are in place. Yeah, okay. So, so, so the, um, the, the primary structures are um, southwest to northeast. Is that what you're saying? Or, but, but I thought you said that the, the, main, the main vein systems tend to run parallel to the primary structure, which looks more or less north-south here. That's correct, yes. And Glenn, maybe you can just sketch that on. That's the trend of the regional fault, Merlin. Okay. And there are some cross faults uh, through this as well, where okay. there's some um, offshoots. Are those um, younger, brittle um, cross faults? or They tend to be all related to the same thing, and it creates some interesting, uh, what in Mexico is called clavos, or where the a minor fault crosses the major fault you tend to have a focus or a local uh, higher grade aspect that they call clavos. We would call that ore shoot. And uh, yeah. that's, that's a really an interesting feature as well on this property. And just, just going back to that, um, when, you, when, when the main regional structure was drawn on, it looked as if there was a kind of a, um, uh, an orientation of kind of sub-parallel vein sets coming off that. Is that a kind of repeatable um, feature that you see with these kind of sub-parallel, let's call them pure north-south sets at a low yeah. angle to the, the primary structure. 
Yes, and Glenn, maybe you could switch to the more detailed map uh, for this where we can see it. It's The break, uh, we tend to refer to it, Merlin, as more of a corridor. It's not just a single fracture that happens over five or 10 meters. It tends to be a zone of uh, fracturing that's happening over two, three, 500 meters. And, uh, and uh, what we see are two or three vein sets in place along through this. Here, right. Glenn's just showing some of the 3D aspects of it with the top off topography, but uh, you can see how the uh, structures are following along the side of the mountain here. Everything daylights. We can really follow this very easily, Merlin, from an exploration point of view. That was going to be my next question. Can you see it? Can you, um, do you, can you see it with aerial photography or LIDAR, or can you just map it? Both. And you can actually almost fall into open stopes in places, too, because the old people came right up to surface. The rock is a very distinct discoloration from the alterations in those areas. So it's really a... a a light beige cream colored surface with a big brown stain where, where the veins have come right on up through. And um, a lot of the, the, the news flow in the last eight months has been about the crackle breccia. Um, I mean, I think you first started calling it a footwall zone and then you, you've shifted yeah. to calling it a crackle breccia because you see it both sides of the, of, of the, of the quartz veins, the high-grade quartz veins. Can you tell me a little bit about kind of the relationship or, or kind of the formation of that crackle breccia? Is it, is it a hydrothermal breccia or is it a, is it a um, structural breccia? We believe it's a structural breccia. And it's, I say that in the sense that when we first observed it, we saw it on the footwall side of the Suey vein, completely unexpected. We mm. had no idea from all the historical information that we'd compiled that this kind of thing sat adjacent to the veins. Everything that we had told us it was just the, the classic vein. So when the guy started first looking at this stuff, you know, was it a breccia? Was it a hydro? You know, all the questions you just asked. Uh, but we've really... I, come down to now there's sort of three two or three factors that have come together and it's structural and it's stratigraphic this new style of mineralization that we're seeing is occurring in only one particular subunit of the flat formation it's about a 30 meter thick shale unit and when the veins uh, pass through that particular horizon on the footwall side, we're seeing this rock really get shattered. It uh, takes on this brecciated look. It's a structural feature, but it's all filled full. The matrix is all sulfide and quartz. The rock is heavily silicified. So that's why it's kind of gone through two or three generations of naming. But uh, we're very pleased that it's there. Uh, it's high grade. And we've now... Uh, through continued drilling through the year, Merlin, have seen it occurring on the sites Kelly vein, on the Suey vein, and up to the north on the Benjamin vein. And that's where this whole stratigraphic side of the model starts becoming very important for us, because we're now seeing this happen on all three of our major veins when they're passing through this one particular layer over several kilometers of strike length now. Sorry, I might have missed it, but the flat formation, which you said is about 30 meters thick or up to 30 meters thick, um, what is it? Well, the flat formation is actually about 100 to 150 meters thick, the way it historically has been uh, compiled. 
And these are units and names that go back to the mining a hundred years ago yep. that we've just continued carried through with the usage of that. But it, you know, there's uh, it's it's a series of different ignimbrites and tooths and flows, and now a shale unit that were classically all lumped together as the flat formation. But and and we in our early work on the property were always drilling above that and the higher up in what was called the El Tigre formation, and that's where we find the gold deposit that that we currently. Uh, worked on in 2016, 2017, where the million ounce resource of uh, gold equivalent is sitting up higher, uh, about 150 meters up stratigraphy. But down in this flat formation, uh, we didn't know too much about it until we just started drilling this past year because all of our drilling was targeted above it. And that's where we've been finding the shale unit. And it only just happened that when we drilled this first hole 202 at the Suey vein, we were targeting the white quartz vein, but we were targeting it beneath the last mining level. And that just happened to be where the shale unit is too. And when we passed through that and it was so wonderfully mineralized, strongly mineralized, uh, that's when we recognized we had a brand new aspect, a brand new discovery on this property that no one had known about before. But I'm, I'm still just trying to get my head around it. So you've got a, the flat formation is a, let's call it 130, 150 meter interclated series of um, volcanic um, strata, yes. ignimbrites, which are these, these hot, um, they come out hot and they, they weld themselves together. You've got tufts and lava flows. And yet in there, there's a period of sedimentary deposition where you've got a shale forming. That's correct. A very quiet period, very fine grain rocks beautifully laminated. It looks like they were just put down yesterday, no deformation to speak of in it, until you get close to where those veins have gone through and all the structural aspects have broken them up. Do you have a uh, feeling yet of what the, um, kind of the, the, the zone of influence is of the, of the fault or the structure into that, into that hor sub-horizontal formation? Good question. Uh, we're learning more about it each drill hole is really the, the correct answer. But what we do know is that we've been intersecting this mineralization almost 20 meters away from the vein proper. We don't really have all the closely spaced drill holes in there yet to tell us the exact, but we have seen this high grade aspect 20 meters away from the vein. So how far out it goes, we don't know yet. That's something that we're going to be finding out this year. And it's both sides of the, of, of the quartz vein. Yes, but we only have a handful of holes that have hit on that, let's call it the hanging wall side. Most of it's been on the football side so far, but we're, we're finding that it's on both sides of the vein, yes. Okay, just, just, um, so if you've got a sub-vertical vein, you'll be coming in this way, and it, which, which um, I, I, anyway. We're drilling, we're drilling from the hanging wall side to the football side. Just because of the lay of the land, the topography, there's quite a steep hill. And uh, so we're, you know, if the pen represents the drill hole, the veins over here, we're, we're drilling in and, and hitting it uh, on the hanging wall side and going through under the football side. So in essence, what you've got, or potentially what you've got, is a, is a zone of mineralization, which is, let, let, let's ignore the, 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 the shale for the moment, but just the, the, the vein, you've got the vein, which is, vertically continuous with a relatively consistent width to it. 
which when it cuts across a particularly favorable horizon, in this case, the shale, you suddenly get this kind of blow out both sides. So it's kind of yes. like a, like a kind of a bulge as it, as, uh, and you'll be effectively chasing that intersection of that 30 meter shale boundary or shale unit as it intersects the planes of the veins. Correct. And so it, we're altering our drill program somewhat in the sense that we were originally just drilling on sections and drilling fences of holes, following the vein down dip, because the old people mind this for a, a dip length of close to 500 meters. It's a very tall, strongly mineralized system. But now we're sort of changing our ideas to look at this um, a more focused aspect where the veins, all three of the vein sets, the Sites Kelly, the main tiger, and the Sui are all passing through the shale unit to see if we can have the, the you know, the two for one aspect of high grade vein and high grade wall rock on the uh, football and hanging. Yeah. And, and of course, the key difference is that when you've got a 30 meter, let's say by 10 or maybe 15 meters each side of the vein, maybe as far as 20 meters, which is what you've indicated that you've hit it at. So if you've got that both sides, that's potentially 40 meters, maybe even um, 50 meters. You suddenly, you can add your ounces much more quickly when you've got greater volume of rock. Incredible difference for the resource aspect and the implications. It seems to be very, very high grade. We see the base metal mineralization as it's strongly mineralized. And then, you know, down the road, eventually, when we start looking at the reserve aspect of it, it's going to be all low cost mining compared to working on just a, a meter or meter and a half wide vein. So it has all the benefits of quickly putting a resource picture together, high grade, and it looks like it could be a, a amenable to a low cost mining solution too. And yeah, uh, low cost mineable, um, you, you probably mechanize. I mean, if you've got 30 meters um, and presumably the shale is uh, not the most competent rock. So you're going to have to um, um, manage that, that engineering aspect of it. But that's, that's fine. That's a problem that the engineers can deal with. Um, could we have another look at the, um, the plan map of the, of the main vein sets, please? One of the really interesting things, Marilyn, is that we have uh, our main access tunnels into the old mines pass right through this shale area. And right, we've actually got a couple of drill pierce points of the high grade mineralization that are just a few meters away from some of these access tunnels. So in the new year, uh, we've, we'll have the engineers up to the site to uh, examine the old workings, tell us what needs to be done to make them safe, to rehabilitate them, to get some access in, to take a look at some of these areas in the underground. Um, but you've already had a huge amount of underground access, haven't you? I mean, you've taken a whole lot of channel samples under on, on the vein sets. So is this is this new channel sampling or is this... Um... What, what we've found uh, in the archives was all of the original historical channel sampling on oh. from these underground workings and it was close to 20,000 samples altogether. Okay, and, uh, so that was, a that was a desktop study rather than an actual send the guys underground. Exactly, but 40 years ago, there was a company, Anaconda Copper, were in the mine. They took quite a few samples too. We have all that information. And in some of the shallower workings uh, up higher, uh, we've, our teams have been inside those and mapped them, and we've collected about a thousand samples of ourselves. But historically, all of this, the whole mine is sampled, and that's we've got that database. 
all so compiled the, now. So what's on the screen here, these underground workings, that's digitized from historic paper workings. Correct. The original maps all survived because the Anaconda Copper Company um, found them at the time, 40 years ago. And all of that information was transferred up to the archives at the University of Wyoming. And uh, where we gained access to that, we've uh, got digital copies of everything. Then we had our team in Mexico digitize it for, uh, gosh, almost a year <laughs> to get all this stuff yeah. all brought in yeah, yeah. to our current models yeah and yeah, we've combined so now the new lidar surface topography all of our surface mapping sampling drilling everything's all been fully integrated now into this 3d model and here you're looking at some of that black uh, is the images of the old stopes on some of the veins so we have an understanding of where the old people were actually mining some of that here you can see that one vein crossing and hitting the central vein and that really formed a very rich high-grade clavos right through that area there that Glenn's mm. showing. And by high-grade, I mean historical uh, grades up at uh, in silver uh, at 5, 10, 20 kilograms per ton and, uh, and even higher in places. And the gold yeah. values can get up as much as an ounce per ton in you know, 30 grams. Well, a clavo in Spanish is a nail. So, I mean, and that's the exact profile of a of a plunging shoot um yes could, could we have a um could we have a look at the the plan please just the plan map of the of the veins that one perfect um yeah. okay just just for scale there we go that's the 500 meter bar at the bottom um yes and obviously you're not, so, so you, you've got these multiple targets now you've got the you're targeting the the, the vein itself, but you're also targeting the inter the, the preferable, preferably targeting the intersection with this one um, formation. D does it um, um, come to surface? Can you? Is your understanding of the stratigraphy uh, driven by your drill hole data, or are there other tools that you can use for targeting that key formation? Good question. But the simple answer is this uh, stratigraphic package is well exposed on the side of the mountain. Um, all of these formations are mappable units. Um, the cliff formation actually forms a big physical cliff face. You know, at 50, 60 meters tall, you can follow this around the, the sides of the mountains very easily. We have seen outcrops of the shales, but in the places where we've seen them, they're away from the vein sets, so they're not mineralized. So there was no clue uh, to, to this aspect until we started actually drilling and piercing through them. But, but you, can use, uh, you can use them as an exploration. You know, you can, even if you find them away from the vein set, you can use their aspect, their dip, their thickness, oh, yeah. their, 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 um, the competency to uh, infer where they're likely to target your drilling. But I guess you'll find that through, um, through drilling anyway as you go. Well, I'm going to ask Glenn just to circle the protectora vein area because this area is about a kilometer to two kilometers north of the historical workings. And up there, we've been drilling uh, some, some very shallow holes, relatively speaking, in the sense that we're up above in the higher stratigraphic units. But there was one older drill hole from 40 years ago where they actually pierced through the shale unit 
It was away from the vein sets, so it's not mineralized. But we know the shale is all up underneath these, this portion of the property too. So that's one of the things that we'll be looking at here in the new years to see how uh, extensive this uh, shale unit is where, where we know there's vein sets that are strongly mineralized. Okay, now while we've got this plan up, can you um, highlight where you've intersected this, um, uh, the crackle breccia? Yeah, let's just start at the Benjamin vein first, Glenn, just uh, maybe you could uh, big, draw a circle around that. We've hit it here. And you'll see some of those uh, assay results in our last press releases. Down at the Suey vein, Glenn, maybe you can show where the 202 is. We've hit it there. We hit it down at the south end of the Suey vein, down at the San Carlos, down there. And now when we started drilling uh, in November, we've hit it over on the Sites Kelly vein, where we drilled our first holes there. And uh, just before the crypt, well, I just came back from Mexico, but last week we were hitting it here in the middle vein, the tiger vein as well, that had never really been drilled down into this shale horizon. So what we're looking at there, Merlin, is about a kilometer and a half strike length where we've hit this, where we've put the holes down to that level. We've hit it on all three vein sets now. And uh, we have good evidence that it still continues even further north up into the Protectora area. So and we're... Sorry, go on. So we're, on. I was just going to say, so we're slowly building out our, our level of information here along strike and in all three vein sets. We're going to jump over to the other side of the mountain as well, where everything comes out on the east flanks, where we have other uh, vein sets over there called Santa Maria. And we're pretty confident we'll see the same kind of aspects happening again over there. Um, Never been drilled. Uh, what's the dip of that formation? Well, the formations are quite flat-lying. They uh, dip gently to the east of about five, six degrees, but I consider them to be flat-lying. And uh, that's the stratigraphic units. And the veins are quite steep. They, drill, they normally dip about 80 degrees to the west. Quite predictable, quite, quite, uh, quite easy to follow in, the, in that sense. Now, you've clearly got topographic variations, but um, what's the kind of, when, when you're planning, what, what, how deep do you consider the, the, the footwall zone to be or the crackle breccia zone or the shale zone to be from surface? Well, when we're drilling on the suey vein, and maybe Glenn, maybe you could find a cross section to show this, but the, because of the hillside drops off to the west, the first vein that we can get drilled to easily is the Suey vein. And here we're drilling holes that are typically 300 meters long. We're mm -hmm. trying to hit the vein at 200, 250. And then all of a sudden now this football thing shows up on, on the football. So some of the holes we're drilling a bit longer now just to make sure that we're getting clear of everything. And you can see here on this section that it's a very uh, flat lying stratigraphy it's well-known tiger cliff flat and tabular and the deeper unit that the miners were down into was even called the nodular unit and that shale horizon glenn's just drawing it across there it's a part of what we call the flat formation and we didn't really know too much about it until we started drilling these deeper holes down below the suey vein 
Glenn's just also sketched on about where the tiger vein is, and the, the other one would be the uh, the sites Kelly vein, which is would be off this image. And Glenn, maybe you could just flip through a couple of those other slides uh, just to show how Merlin, how consistent this thing is, both the stratigraphy. I, I, and the are, are you are your geos getting their eyes in on the stratigraphy? Are you recognizing certain ignimbrite bright layers, for example, or um, ash? Um, ash layers, which, or maybe even the shale themselves, so you actually know where you are in the strategic from your, um, I mean, there's some faulting there, but. Um, yeah, the, these major unit contacts, it's like night and day. When you pass from tiger to cliff, night and day. Um, flat formation, there are two or three larger sub uh, units within that. Traditionally, they've just all been lumped together, but now the guys are going back and starting to get you know, starting to recognize that detail. And the first thing to really see is this shale unit. It stands out so differently from all the rest of the Eatman Great inflows. Is it graphitic? In places, yes. And that's the interesting thing, this, whether there's a, I don't know what the relationship is yet between the organic materials and the base metals, but they're there together. Yeah. Maybe there's some kind of sulfur relationship, some kind of ligand that uh, caused the precipitation pre preferentially of the. Yeah, that's what the guys are suspecting now. That's but we don't have all the scientific information there on that yet. What an interesting um, set of <laughs> targets you've got. Um, have you had have you had any chance to do any petrography work on it, or was it? I mean, does it look? Um, I mean, you've, you've said it looks structural, but I. Um, I mean, for, for it, and it, is there any structural bleed out into the into the areas? I mean, is, is it just a, uh, you know, how does that work? Is it just abruptly contained within the the shale, or is there some kind of um, disturbance, uh, vert, you know, above it and below it? Well, so far we've had the bad luck of putting a few holes just above the shale going through the areas. It's it's sterile. There's no, there's no evidence of it leaking up past the shale into the upper unit above it. Uh, we, and then we found the same thing below the shale too, when we've gone through the vein and come out into the ignorant bright and flows below it, there's nothing. So there doesn't seem to be any uh, transfer out of the shale up into the other rock. We're still learning how far laterally does the mineralization extend. But it's going to take a few more holes, yeah, Merlin, to really uh, understand. Well, thank you so much. I've, 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 I really feel as if I understand the, the, the prospectivity much more. And one of the curious things about it is that because um, they're at 200 meters below the surface, it's probably unmined. You know, the, the main vein set is probably less developed. I, I know you mentioned that some of the um, some went down 500 meters, but the, the bulk of that horizon is likely to have been um, left intact. It's completely intact. There's absolutely no information. And we have all the mining records, the geological plans, the mining plans, all the ass. The old people had no idea that this was going on just literally five meters away from where they were mining. And so that's why we're so keen to get in, to look at the main access tunnel, to get in there uh, early next year. And uh, we can basically walk right to this mineralization. It's going to be fascinating to go in and see it. Before we leave it, um, as a wrap-up, can you just give an indication of kind of what your drill plans are in terms of meters and the, the kind of the progress that you're, the, the, what you're aiming for next year? Yeah, good question. We've been operating with six diamond drills uh, for the past uh, year. And basically, we're going to start right up again here the first week of January with the six machines. 
we have a program where we have a couple of the machines working on each of the veins in different geographical uh, positions, you know, from the Benjamin, the Sui, the Sites Kelly. So we have a task for them all. We're, we've talked about adding in more equipment, uh, more drilling equipment, which more manpower through this new drilling campaign. And uh, so we might end up at eight, 10 machines drilling through the year, and all focused on following this uh, shale unit and the veins where they're through it. All, and, all uh, focus, all, all focus on that. You're not, you're not testing, kind of. You, you, you really are just concentrating on the, the, the junction. Yeah, for the resource aspect, this style of mineralization, we're pretty confident after talking with our consultants, our uh, mineral resource consultants, that we can be looking at 50 meter spacings to get the first pass through. Whereas if we're just focusing on the narrow vein, we'd have to drill, you know, 25 meters or even closer space so you don't get much progress or much resource unless you're drilling a massive amount of meters we think we can do the job a lot faster looking at this higher grade aspect where we're passing through the high grade veins and this shale mineralization which is very high grade as well i totally get it i like it great good stuff thank you um gents thank you very much um is there anything else um that perhaps you'd like to add that you feel um would shed some light on um what we've discussed already today no, I want to thank you, first of all, for the time. Uh, I'll get back to you, Dave. Uh, we appreciate this, but also thank Dave Duncan. Dave has been three weeks now straight in Mexico, just back on the weekend, spent all of last week uh, at the El Tigre camp. So uh, he's fresh in his office, and the first thing he's at this morning, a little earlier here in Halifax. So thank you, Dave, uh, for, for doing this. But also, Dave, if you had something to add there, I may have cut you off, please. Well, I would just like to say, Marilyn, that uh, I have the great fortune to work with a fantastic geological team of an administrative team and drilling teams from Mexico. These are top-notch guys. Uh, my lead geologists have been with us there from day one on the property. We have fantastic continuity. Uh, our senior people have seen every inch of drill core. So we've really got the benefit of, of all aspects here of a strong geological team. Uh, our assay turnaround times have been less than three weeks all year long. Uh, it's a fantastic part of the world to be working in, uh, in the sense that everything is right there at our fingertips and uh, it's a real pleasure. And I just wanna say thank you for uh, this uh, chat this morning and uh, nice to say hello, thanks. Good meeting you both. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas guys. Merry Christmas. Bye now.